0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman and welcome to our latest podcast. and this is going to be on uncommon benign gastric and perigastric masses and I think it's a great topic because it's one of the areas I often see misdiagnosis. In general benign tumors of the stomach are relatively uncommon. There's an incidence reported up to about five percent in upper endoscopic series performed for unrelated reasons. Polyps account for about three percent of all gastric tumors and their frequency increases to almost 90% of benign gastric tumors. Most benign gastric tumors are asymptomatic, incidental findings, but large antral tumors can cause intermittent gastric outlet obstruction. Patients can present with symptoms of nausea, vomiting, and early anxiety. If ulcerations occur, these tumors can cause epigastric pain. Very similar to a peptic ulcer, patients could present with anemia, for example. Now all layers of the stomach uh, have the potential to produce neoplastic growth and as mentioned up to 90% of all gastric tumors are benign and again we're thinking about polyps about half of these benign tumors are mucosal lesions mostly hyperplastic or adenomatous polyps and about half are mesenchymal tumors or non-mucosal based and you can see very nicely this classification um, for Robert Packard Hospital looking at benign gastric tumors Dividing them into mucosal and non mucosal lesions. And you can see mesenchymal and vascular under non mucosal, non neoplastic and neoplastic polyps under mucosal. And you can see the entire spectrum. Now, if we look at benign gastric tumors, um, often the findings in terms of radiologic diagnosis are difficult in that. Uh, Separating the tumors can be difficult unless there are certain features like enhancement or fat in the lesion. Clinical manifestations also overlap and can vary from severe abdominal pain and presentations with acute abdomen to vague signs such as weight loss and anemia. Some gastric tumors cause diagnostic confusion and sometimes they result in unnecessary surgery or even inappropriate follow-up. Some unusual gastric tumors have characteristic radiologic findings that can be very helpful in allowing you to make a very specific diagnosis. Now in terms of benign gastric tumors, air contrast studies of the stomach are sensitive in delineating mucosal detail and lesions. Lesions are often found incidentally on CT or other studies of the GI tract as we mentioned previously. With endoscopy becoming more common for both diagnostic and therapeutic purposes Often these lesions we picked up on endoscopy Uh, and endoscopic biopsies are often difficult to interpret and may be misleading because deep layers of the stomach wall may not be sampled or the tumor itself may not be sampled. Now in terms of CT evaluation, ideally we can use water as a negative oral contrast agent, we can use volumen, you can use air as a neutral agent. Um, tumors typically, uh, when you're looking, you're looking at the interface between fluid in the stomach, and the gastric wall, which typically will enhance. A key thing, of course, is adequate gastric distension. Whether you use air or you're using volumen or water, and are, or typically um, oral omnipaque, the key is good distension. So, for example, here's a nice case. There's a lesion in the antrum. It's fatty density, incidental finding. It's a lipoma, nicely shown in this example. Well, here are two other cases. Uh, interesting case, actually. Uh, one case showing you with two different images. This looks a little bit more impressive, but really what you're looking at is a large lipoma, which is subepithelial and went from the level of the gastric antrum to the duanal bulb and was probably causing intermittent uh, symptoms of obstruction. Remember a uh, uh, lipomas particularly can uh, telescope and can cause intersceptions, be that in the stomach, small bowel, or colon. Now, lipoma is a benign submucosal tumor composed of mature adipose tissue. It's about 2 to 3% of benign gastric tumors, and again, typically it's incidental. The larger lesions can present with ulceration and GI bleeding or with intersusception. They tend to be solitary and most commonly in the gastric antrum. What other lesions are they? Here's another lesion. When you look at this quickly, the first one you might say is a GIST tumor, submucosal, exophytic tumor of the stomach. You might also consider a pancreatic pseudocyst or an adrenal cyst or a retroperitoneal cyst. Uh, This is well-defined water density. It's an unusual diagnosis shown nicely on 3D imaging. It's a gastric duplication cyst. That's pretty uncommon. Gastric duplication cysts or about 7% of GI tract duplications. Most are non-communicating, they're spherical or ovoid. Most common site is the greater curvature. The mucosal lining is usually gastric. The pseudostratified respiratory epithelium and pancreatic tissue have been found at times. The presentation depends on the size as well as the presence of communication. Most of the time uh, they're discovered in infancy, In those in the pediatric group, typical presentation might be vomiting and abdominal pain, although in adults we typically think about asymptomatic findings, which means in the pediatric age group they were also asymptomatic. And CT as well as ultrasound, typical appearance, well-defined cystic mass, lying close to greater curvature. Uh, You may see an echogenic inner rim and hypochoic outomucosal layers uh, on an ultrasound examination. Now what else? Here's another set of images. And what you're seeing here is a well-defined mass. Looks almost like the last case. It's submucosal, very well-defined, though smaller, but a bit more solid in density. And this was a leiomyoma, very nicely shown. And there's another example, mass at the GE junction. We'll look at it again in several other planes and this too was a benign gastric tumor, a leiomyoma. So leiomyomas are typically smooth, well-defined, they may enhance. They're usually incidental findings, submucosal, they can ulcerate when they get larger, they're typically composed of spindle cells and display smooth muscle differentiation. Uh, gastric mesenchymal tumors are classified immunohistochemically as lyomyomas or GISTs. Remember that the lyomyomas are defined as being Desmond positive and CKIT negative, while most GIST tumors are CKIT positive. The other thing, of course, is lyomyomas tend to be smaller in the 1 to 3 centimeter range, and GIST tumors are typically larger. What about this case? And you notice this one is solid, looks like the last case can be a GIST tumor as well. This was a schwannoma. Very unusual tumor. A schwannoma in this case, um, here's another example, has an ulceration, GI bleeding. You know, I would have gone with a GIST tumor. Could this be metastatic melanoma? That's a possibility. Schwannomas are uncommon tumors. The whole area of neurogenic tumors are rare. 4% of benign gastric tumors, the majority of which are schwannomas. It's included the smaller group of GI mesenchymal tumors, which contain relatively well-differentiated tumors that are identical to those arising from the somatic soft tissues. It usually appears as a discrete submucosal lesion that are indistinguishable from other mesenchymal tumors. When they outgrow their blood supply, when they get large enough, they can undergo necrosis and ulceration. Uh, Schwannomas and GI stromal tumors that show differentiation toward neural elements are histologically different tumors although the relationship between them may not be clear pathologically. What else? Here's another example, submucosal lesion, it's really kind of intramural, it's enhancing. And what is it? Well, enhancing lesions you got to think about vascular tumors, maybe a carcinoid, but this was a glomus tumor. And here's another example of a vascular lesion in the antrum of the stomach. This, too, was a glomus tumor. Glomus tumors are very unusual. In this case, the tumor arose from the muscularis propria layer of the stomach. They're often small. Glomus tumors are the most common benign vascular tumors of the stomach. They typically originate from glomus bodies, which are specialized... Arterial venous communications that regulate skin temperature usually occurs in the antrum as the two cases I showed you here they're typically solitary patients are asymptomatic and these are incidental findings they can ulcerate and cause GI bleeding and occasionally, in fact, will calcify. The key imaging finding, of course, is the enhancement in early phase imaging. There are not many things in the stomach that enhance. I think about a few metastasis, I guess a AV malformation, but this is so well defined and nicely seen, you got to be thinking about um, glomus tumor. Okay, what else? Here was a 33-year-old female, uh, vague symptoms, dizziness, lightheadedness, weakness. And here's a lesion in the stomach, well-defined. In addition to this patient, um, the patient had duodenal mass, which was enhancing. Great case, the mass in the stomach was heterotopic pancreas, the duodenal lesion was a gist tumor. Okay, interestingly, the tumor in the duodenum was much more vascular, very interesting case. Heterotopic pancreas, very unusual incidence in autopsies range from 0.5 to 13.7 percent but it's incredibly rare imaging wise and getting proof is incredibly uncommon as in this case usual location is the stomach and up to 38 percent of cases duodenum, up to 36 percent of cases then jejunum and rare anywhere else gastric lesions are discovered in the antrum in the majority of cases more common along the greater curvature and CT again think about enhancing lesion as a possibility Another patient. What about this case? Patient has MAN1, hyperparathyroidism. Well, the first thing you recognize here is marked gastric wall thickening. they are like multiple polypoid lesions, okay? And when you see multiple polypoid lesions, you've got to be thinking zollinger Ellison syndrome. You've got to be thinking about a gastrinoma. Just a beautiful example. Now there are other things that give you multiple polypoid lesions. Familial polyposis. Here's a great case both in 2D and 3D of familiar adenomatous polyposis. Multiple lesions. I've seen a case of Kaniga-Cronkite most recently. Very large thick folds, polypoid lesions. Very very nice example. Now what else? Here's just a couple more cases. Here's a nice case of familiar adenomatous polyposis with Turcot syndrome. Uh, here's another case, you know, again, some more images. Very nice visualization. This was kind of interesting. This patient also had an adenocarcinoma. But again, in Turcot syndrome, tumors are more common. Subcutaneous nodules you can see as well. What about pseudotumors? You look at this case, this was like a submucosal mass. Could be a gist tumor. Looks like that neurogenic tumor I showed you before, but as you watch the lesion over the multiple phases it enhances and in fact this was a um, exophytic hemangioma of the liver which simulated a gastric tumor what about this case this looks like it may be a duplication cyst well look with contrast is a large splenic artery aneurysm so boy you have to be careful that would be a very tough call so again certain lesions have signature appearances certain lesions can fool you and others you simply could put in the differential diagnosis. So we'll conclude then benign gastric tumors are uncommon, but we can see them on CT scan, often as incidental findings. I showed you a number of different lesions, things you should think about from glomus tumors to duplication cysts. At times, imaging findings are very similar and we can't be very specific, but we can really help with patient management, whether the patient needs endoscopy or biopsy, whether you need to go to other imaging modalities or a patient needs to go to surgery. Key thing, of course, is detection. And detection is not done unless you have good CT technique with good gastric distension, good vascular phase imaging, and multiplanar and 3D mapping. And with that, hope you enjoyed the talk. Have a great day.